And we are continuing our series in Colossians uh, this morning. So last week we kicked off uh, the series in Colossians. And I'll explain the title in a wee bit, in case you're wondering what's going on here. Uh, but we're jumping a few passages ahead this morning, just the way the rota goes with uh, all the different people that are preaching. And Paul and Timothy, just to give a recap, are writing and encouraging uh, a church in Colossae. And Colossae is in the ancient city of Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey, for those of you who want to, are interested in that. Uh, he's warning them not to get sidetracked and attracted to the wrong things. Uh, and it's all about Jesus, that church and, and living a life as a Christian is all about Jesus. And uh, there's a guy called Epaphras who's leading this group of people, and he's a good guy. And Paul wants to let them know that he knew the Lord, he knows the Lord, and trust his leadership. Trust what this guy is doing uh, with you in Colossae. Colossae. So uh, we're going to read Colossians 2, 6 to 15. It'll be up on the screen uh, behind me as well. And uh, let's pray before we do that. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is alive. Thank you that you speak and you impact and you shape who we are through your word. And we want our hearts to be open to what you've got to say to us in our situations. We're all bringing stuff this morning. We're all from very different backgrounds, very different jobs. We've had very different weeks. We want to just lay it all before you as we open your word and say, speak, Lord. We want to hear your voice. Amen. Amen. Let's read from verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one, no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is head over every power and authority. In him, you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Amen. Now, one of my hobbies, I don't have many hobbies, is computer games. I quite like computer games. I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm 31 years old, and I love nothing more than getting a can of iron brew, a bag of sweeties, and playing my Xbox to the wee hours in the morning. Now, obviously, having a child and another one on the way, it doesn't happen very often now, but when it does, I really, really enjoy it. And one game that I have that came with the console preloaded is called 
plants versus zombies. Now, let me explain this game a little bit. You have two team, two groups of uh, characters. You have the plants and you have the zombies. And you need to choose one of these characters and you need to get rid of the other ones. You have this big world. It's all cartoon type uh, effects and stuff and it's quite good. But whilst I was prepping this passage all week, the title of this game was at the forefront of my mind for some reason. And it was very strange. I'm like, why? Do I need to go and play it? Have I not played it in a long time? So uh, this passage paints a great picture and a reminder of what it is to live for Jesus, what that looks like. And a lot of illustrations in God's Word are painted in the Bible of being like plants, spiritual growth and growing and being rooted. And uh, it it seems like that linked. In Psalm 1, it speaks about a person being like a tree planted by the water. In Psalm 144, let our sons in their youth be uh, as grown-up plants. 1 Corinthians, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. Isaiah 61, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts, that's not Brussels sprouts, I hope, and as a garden causes the things sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up, up before all the nations. And then finally, Jeremiah 1.10 says, See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, and to build and to plant. So quite a lot. There's so many different verses where God compares and uses the pictures of plants and planting and seeds to demonstrate a way of living that is honoring to him. So we have the plants. But then in the game, we have the zombies. Now, I don't like horror movies. I'd never, ever watch them. So I can't compare to anything there. But I can compare to me first thing in the morning. (laughs) Hair in every direction. There's one eye that doesn't open for about an hour. You know that way, it's just struggling to open. Also, my mouth doesn't, it's all, you know, it just doesn't quite function yet. I don't even walk right. You know that first walk when you get up out of bed? It's kind of like, (laughs) you know that way you just need to get your joints going? I don't speak right. Mary says, are you up yet? You don't speak right. You forget where everything is. There's a clumsiness. This is me, by the way. I'm not saying you would all do this. And for me, it takes a few hours to seize the day. I am not a morning person. And I feel a little bit like in the mornings I miss out a little bit, uh, that I'm not as alert. But you know, I can be like this in the everyday, it's not just the mornings. I can be a little bit clumsy in that I don't walk right and how I speak and how I act and how I think. I can forget what God would want, what Jesus would do here, what I am for. I don't seize the day and then the next day the same happens again and again and again. It's like a spiritual slumber, alive but not truly living. Ephesians, uh, there's a verse that says, awake sleeper, awake sleeper. That there's something inside, but it's a battle. It doesn't quite come out into the outside world. So plants versus zombies, just like the game, we have the very same battle. I wonder where we're at this morning. Do we say before God, here I am, Lord, use me, plant me. My roots are going to go deep. I'm growing. I'm being watered. Or do we need to hear the words, awake, sleeper, this morning? Our relationship with God maybe feels distant or we're just trudging day by day. 
wonder which side is winning. There are four things in this passage which detail us, uh, which details to remember this morning for us to live lives not asleep to God's direction, to His plans, to His purposes, but to be like plants, to be alive and pointing to Him. And the four things that I want to look at is that we need to put our roots down to grow. We need to be on top of the weeding. We need to trust when we can't see much happening. And then finally, that being in the light brings life. So that's the four things that I want to look at uh, this morning very briefly. So we need to put our roots down to grow. Uh, there's a, a pastor in America who has the best name ever, I think I've ever heard, called Banning Liebscher. That is a great name, isn't it? Banning Liebscher. Imagine your first name being Banning. Anyway, he says this, your life from seed to full-grown full tree is a process. We all like the idea of fruit, but rarely do we allow ourselves to build a root system. In verse 6, in the passage we read, it says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him. So these guys at Colossae were rooted. Paul was urging them to continue. When we are rooted, then we can build. A plant never grows without the roots being deep. So we dig deep and plant down deep. But what does that look like practically? We often hear when people move house or into a new area, I'll take you a wee while to put down your roots. So, you know, I'll take you a wee while. You get to grips with a house. You get to grips with the neighbors, who are the people around me. You get to grips with the community. And once we get that, it will feel like home. And then we're, we're more settled. That's generally what, what we think will, will work. One of the, the definitions of putting our roots down is this, it means to plant something in a way that it will grow. And I love that line, to plant something in a way that it will grow. The real intentional way of putting roots down in a way that it will grow. I don't get seeds for a nice plant and go to the darkest area in the garden and throw them down and then just, you know, leave it for four months and then go and check and see, how, how are those seeds doing? Have we got the plant share? I probably would if I, like, if I was doing gardening for Mary, but never mind. I don't do that. It's considered. It would be considered. It would be strategic. Where, where's the best place? It would be deliberate, intentional, thought through. These new seeds that I have, I'm getting a, a nice new pot for it. I'm going to find the brightest area. Where's the sun going to hit? The best soil. And it's going to go somewhere nice and bright, and I'm going to water it. And in fact, there's going to be a rota so other people can look after it and see how it's doing. Make sure that it grows and make sure that it flourishes. What does it look like to put our roots down in our walks with God? To plant ourselves in a way we will grow. What does it look like to be considered and strategic and deliberate and intentional and thought through in our walks with God? Maybe it's, I'm going to put you first in my day, Lord, which means when I get up in the beginning of the day, before I do anything else, I'm giving time over to you. I'm going to commit my day to you. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to read my devotional, which goes alongside my word, the word. I'm going to pray over a list of things in my life and in the life of other people that's tough just now or that we need prayer, we need answers for. Then I'm going to head into work and I'm going to include you in my day. I'm going to place myself in situations that you want me in. 
I'm going to stay away from situations you don't want me in. And I'm going to have someone who asks me from time to time how that is going so that I don't become detached or that the growth stops. How are we planting ourselves in God in a way that we will grow? Where do we find times in our weeks to worship, to read His Word, to pray, to spend time with our friend, our God, our Deliverer? Because He loves it when we take that time. He loves it nothing more when we take time out and give the day over to Him. That's where roots go deep. That's where foundations are dug. That's where the reservoirs are filled so we can give out. We need to be rooted and built up. We need also, secondly, we need to keep on top of the weeding. I hate weeding. (laughs) I hate weeding. Weeds love our garden. I'm telling you, they love our garden. I think there's a a weed community underneath our uh, paving in our garden uh, that that decide to rage battle with us every single summertime. And I have to scrape them all out. I have three or four bottles of weed killer that I spray. I get the power washer out. Anybody else power wash the weeds? Yes, one other person. We maybe shouldn't do that, but uh, you power wash the weeds. I do that as well. There was a couple of weeks ago, I was doing the weeding and I went to the side of the shed and honestly, there was a weed the size near up to my shoulder and it genuinely frightened me. It had like a big, it had a big face. Honestly, maybe I'm playing that game too much, the plants game, but I was scared to cut it. I, was just, I, I cut it from a distance just in case it pounced on me. Yeah, we got rid of it though and it was okay. Weeding is important. And Paul and Timothy, in a sense, uh, are warning the Colossians of keeping it on top of the weeding. In verse 8, it says, See that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy to keep alert of powers and authorities that will try to divert our attention away from Jesus and actually keep us captive and away from what God wants us to do. And we have the very same battle. There was two things in that verse of the word captive that really uh, stuck out for me and I felt was from God when I was preparing this. And the first one was that I often use the power washer when I do the weeding. And it looks great afterwards, and Mary's really pleased. My wife's really pleased. Oh, that's fantastic. All the weeds are gone. It gets rid of the weed, or so I thought, but it's still there. It's still there. It's quick, and it sorts it for a little while, but then they return. And maybe what's holding some of us captive here this morning is a habit that we think we get rid of on the surface, but it's still there. We go for a quick fix to get rid of it. It's still there. It comes back again and again and again. Maybe it's what we're watching on the internet. Maybe it's gambling. Maybe it's too much to drink. Maybe it's inappropriate thinking. Maybe it's jealousy. And then the second picture is the picture of the giant weed that I tackled that I still have nightmares over. That we have that one thing that is getting in the way of our walks with God and we're too scared to look at it. We're too scared. The Lord would love to to speak to you this morning and to act on that. If if any of those things you know you need to to meet with God in. But also there's the weed that weeds don't need to be bad things. They can be things that distract us from Jesus. So when we're thinking of what are the weeds in our lives 
They don't necessarily need to be bad things. It could be things that take our focus away from Jesus. You think about a garden with one plant in the middle of the garden and all these weeds surrounded and crowded out, crowding out the plant. For some of us, it's about taking away and uprooting the things that are taking our focus away from Jesus. That always get in the way of time with the Father. And as I was thinking about it, the main thing for me is this. Because we speak about the world being a distraction, we can get everything in the world in this little device. So for some of us, it'll be this device. And for me, it's this device. It's the most distracting thing. Whenever you hear that noise, see, see, if I got a text just now, I would feel it. And I, you know, I'd have a wee, I wouldn't have a wee look at it. But, you know, there's that, there's that impulse, isn't it? I'm going to take away from what I'm doing just now to go and find out what's happening in here. And for some of us, the Lord is saying, will you just lock this away? Will you just put this away? Or will you downgrade to a phone that doesn't do all the fancy stuff that it does and focus on me? And I'm probably speaking to myself on this, but I know that's for one or two of us in the congregation this morning as well. So the weeds don't necessarily need to be bad things. It can be things that distract us away from Jesus. And can I encourage us as a church family that we are a church that believes that Jesus wants the best for each and every one of us. And he has the power to remove those weeds so they don't get in the way. And some of those things might require a little bit of digging And that could be quite sore initially. But Jesus doesn't want us living lives where we focus on, trying to focus on him and share him whilst having to contend with weeds getting in the way. So can I encourage us to get some weeding done uh, this morning? And you might be sitting here this morning and and not knowing Jesus. You don't know Jesus, but you're desperate for breakthrough. It's difficult to see past all the weeds and the distraction, and the mess that life can be. What have you got to lose this morning? What have you got to lose? I would love to pray with you, and for, Je- for you to know Jesus as a Savior, and to know Jesus as a person, and a loving Father who can take away the weeds, who can take away the weeds of our life. Thirdly, we need to trust when it looks like nothing is happening. It's important when it feels like nothing is happening, that we remember that God is over everything, that God is over all. In verse 10 of the the passage that we looked at, it says this, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and every authority. The church of Colossae maybe didn't see God move in the ways that they wanted, but Paul is issuing a reminder that I am over all. I am over everything. I want to show you a wee picture that I got sent in an email. I'm a little bit of a practical joker when I'm at work, and somebody got me an absolute cracker by sending an email with this attachment on it. Now, this attachment had the title on it. It said, just wait and see what happens. Just wait and see what happens. So it's the man with a big hammer, and he's cracking into the glass, and I waited and I waited. The email had said, wait and see what happens. So I trusted the email title. The guy who sent me the email was a good friend. He was a good friend. I was, I was willing this guy on. You know, I was going, go on, mate. You can do it. You can do it. And then I got into the way of thinking, this better be good. This better be good. There's nothing much happening. I waited one minute. I waited two minutes. I waited about four minutes, if I'm being absolutely honest, which Mary is in hysterics about. And then I studied the clip a bit longer, and I noticed he's hitting the same bit. 
or there's it seems to be and then it, wait a minute it's the same clip and it's on a loop it's the same clip and it's on a loop and I feel like the stupidest person in the world and then I go okay I'll go and show Marriott and see and she gets it within 10 seconds and I'm sitting there for four minutes so yeah you can if you need that email to go and prank a few people let me know after the service and I'll forward it on we need to trust when we can't see much happening when we're rooted deep and it feels like nothing's happening, when we're waiting, Paul is writing to remind the church that God is over every ruler and every authority. The message version says his power extends over everything. The seen and the unseen, his power extends over everything. That God is a big God and he is working above it all, even though it feels like it's a bit of a quiet time, even though it feels like a little bit like Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. He knows exactly what he is doing. Even if it looks like nothing is breaking. Even if it looks like when we're waiting uh, for God to respond or God to protect that nothing is happening. He is over and above all. Can I encourage us when we are waiting? The definition of waiting is to expect or to look for. But there's also another definition to this word. If we're in a restaurant, we usually have a waiter that comes to the table and we take our order and, and who serves us. To wait also means to serve. Also means to serve. The act of waiting isn't meant to be a stagnant, stationary decision, but a decision where we go out in our waiting in the seasons where nothing is happening and we serve the Lord. And whatever he wants to put us to until we see his plans growing from the soil. And that can be tough. But we need to trust that God is over and above all. And within that, the God who is over all is more often than not teaching us something through that. More often than not. And although we maybe haven't seen what we wanted out here, he's doing a lot of work in here in those moments patience, devotion, love, discipline, expectancy, stirring his power, his sovereignty. To truly believe he is God over all transforms our nothing happening moments into moments of a, a journey, a fresh discovery of who God is. Ernest Hemingway uh, says this, if a writer of prose knows enough about what he is writing about, he may omit things that he knows, and the reader, if the writer is writing truly enough, will have a feeling of those things as strongly as though the writer had stated them. The dignity of movement of an iceberg is due to only one-eighth of it being above water. Sometimes in our walks of God, we'll only see the tip of the iceberg, a glimpse of God in our nothing-happening moments. But it's important to have faith in those moments that there's the rest of the iceberg moving. That God is moving in his power over our situations, above all. Sometimes we might be in a hurry. God maybe isn't in a hurry. What is he teaching us in those moments? What is he teaching us? He extends over everything. What a great promise in our waiting moments, in our moments where we think nothing is happening. He's, a, he's above all. He's working, even when we can't see it. And then just finally, 
Being in the light brings life. Plants need light. Plants move towards the sunlight in order to grow. Uh, when I was preparing this, I, I watched a wee experiment online. There's loads of stuff on YouTube. Uh, with some plants moving towards the sunlight, where they moved them the other way around, and then they checked them again a bit later, and the plant had kind of gravitated towards the light as if by magic. There's a reaction, and they begin to lean the other way towards the light. And this brings life and nutrients and energy and growth. And it's the same for us. In verse 13, when you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. When we position ourselves towards Jesus, new life is received. And this is the gospel. This is the gospel. This is the bread and butter stuff right here. And the clearest example that being in the light brings life is that he forgave us when he didn't have to. He loves us with an everlasting love. The slate is wiped clean for each and every one of us when we accept Jesus into our lives. There's no case against us, brought against us. We're free. Jesus paid it on the cross. It's the greatest love story ever told. And it's one that we are called to share with everybody out with this building. Maybe some of us need to turn around in our pots and get back to facing the light. We feel a bit wilted to remember that we're forgiven. Maybe some of us don't know Jesus. I've tried lots of things to help our situations. We would love to pray a prayer that that light will come into your heart this morning. Maybe it's a declaration moment this morning a Mount Carmel moment where we go to the top of the mountain and we pray for rain. We don't want to pray for rain out there. We pray for rain. We pray for the Lord to fall afresh on our lives. We make a declaration this morning on our knees for Him to pour down His Spirit into our lives. Jesus wants a people who are hungry and willing and passionate and ready to dig deep, to be weeding out the enemy's schemes and to trust when it feels like it goes, it's going quiet and to be eager to live in the light. He wants a church who are eager to respond to the need that is out there, to the emergencies that happen out there. So let's fight the enemy's schemes to derail and to turn us away. Those moments when we're living but not alive. Let's get stuck in as a group of people. And declare, I'm living for Jesus. I'm going to get rid of the weeds. I'm going to go for it. I just want to close with this quote, which really, really struck me. Uh, you must get involved to have an impact. No one is impressed with the one lost record of the referee. You must get involved to have an impact. No one is impressed with the one lost record of the referee. We have to get stuck in. We have to get involved. We have to do what Jesus is calling us to do. Why don't we stand?